Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. If today is your first time at church, welcome to Family Day where we are just reminding ourselves of all the different elements. We are a multi-generational church with babies, with kids, with people making big decisions, first-time commitments of faith, people who've been serving God for many years but stepping into fresh giftings. We all of the above. Some of us, maybe even here, just looking in on the periphery, looking on from the outside in, saying, what is this all actually about? Welcome. Welcome to church. This is something that's not our design. This is his design. Something that is so, we believe, so powerful, but often so misunderstood around the world. People don't understand what is going on in this community. More than a building. More than just a gathering. But it's actually the very called out ones of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you that uh, I've got a little boy who's uh, three, uh, going on four, named Benjamin Asher. And he's a wild one, full of life, red hair, feisty. Uh, and, uh, but there's this moment that he, he is, he's navigating this thing that all boys go through. My our little six-year-old girl loves school. You, wild horses could not keep her away from school. Benji, on the other hand, uh, would prefer to stay at home than go to school most days. I think he's just, he leans into more of his father's genes in that, in that regard. And uh, a, a couple Sundays ago, he woke up and he was just not happy. He was just complaining and he said, he said Dad, Please, please, Dada, please, can I stay at home today? Please, can I stay at home today? I'm like, boy, we have to go as a family. We're all going. And he's like, oh, Dada, please. He said, I'll stay with mom. I'll stay with mom. I was like, no, she's coming. Then he's like, I'll stay with you. I said, no, I have to go. Pretty much, I'm expected to be there, boy. I have to be there. So I he said, granny, I'll stay with you. I'll stay. I'll, let me stay. And I said, boy, we have to go to church together. And he sat up and, and smiled at him. He said, church? He said, I thought it was school today. And now my heart was quite uh, was warm because I was like, oh, he loves church. Thank goodness we got one thing right. Um, but it's an incredible reality because I think sometimes we get confused uh, just to pull the Benjiism Benjiism into our lives. Yeah, that I think we can get confused and we have moments where church can become feel like a chore. Church can feel like a drag. Church, we can feel like, oh, a bunch of hypocrites. And if you think church is full of hypocrites, don't worry, we've got enough space for one more hypocrite. That's you. Come and join the club. <laughs> But I want to tell you today, we want to, I want to just and briefly, before we go and enjoy fellowship and engage with one another, meet people, have incredible Borovus roles that have been made by people who are, are here just to serve. Some of them are missing the sermon because they're getting the Borovus roles ready to serve this community, which I think is incredible. But we're going to do that, but we want to bring clarity to what we are doing. Because sometimes like Benji, we can get forget what we, whether we're coming or we're going. Life is big and busy, and this thing just becomes another thing. But I want to remind us what we're actually doing by taking us to the very words of Jesus. And I'll be on the screen behind me. And these are the words that inaugurated the start of this revolution. As Jesus came and turned everything upside down, as he met a bunch of ordinary people like you and I, like Levashan, like Tyrant, like, like, like Clinton Menorah, like, like a bunch of young people, wild people who have a former story, but have come now face to face with Jesus and on a beach. In Israel, many millennia ago, he said this. He said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so often we can forget what we're on about. We can start going to statements and, and creeds and ideas and arguments. But I want to tell you, when we boil it down, this is what we're doing. We're responding to this call. Jesus says to every single one of us afresh today, you, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Briefly, there's three things I want to draw our attention to. Number one is the first one. It says, come, follow me. Let me just be clear to my own heart. Jesus didn't come and the, fir the first thing he said to these guys wasn't come and like me. No, he didn't say that. Neither did he say come and agree with all my teachings and agree with me if, and let's have discourse and do you, do you line up on the same level as me? What are your thoughts? No, no. He said come follow me. 
And in that sense, in that moment, he said, come follow me. And he said that to you, us individually. Every single one of us has to respond whether to actually follow him or follow someone else or follow something else or follow our own desires, our own dreams and see where that will take us. Or we can submit and we can follow him. We have to own it. We have to, we can't outsource it. You can't outsource that to granny's faith. You can't outsource that to your, your spouse's faith. It's, it's not something that you can outsource to your family, to the community at large. This is individual ownership. You come follow me. Jesus says that to us. And in Acts chapter two, there's a scripture to the, the same disciples when this, the church starts to gather steam. They encourage us. They say, we, we want, there were people who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, to fellowship. This is what they did. This is they devoted themselves. And so often we live in a world where it feels like someone else must devote me. Someone else must do the dirty work for me. But Jesus doesn't give us that out. He says, you come follow me. We all have to make a decision on that fact. And I love the fact there's a whole huge difference here between, in that moment when he says, follow me, he distinguishes not, don't become, I don't want, he's not looking for fans. Come and be a fan of me. You know what fans are? Fans are people who are there cheering when the team's winning, have got their jersey on, they've got their face painted blue. If you're from Pretoria, you know those, those rabid fans, they like scream at the top of their lungs, Vufus yells, yeah, we're winning. And when they lose, wash the face, face paint, or take the jersey off and says, I didn't like them anyway. <laughs> you, it's, it's really true. It's like, let's be honest, a few years ago, there were red devil shirts everywhere. And now, where have they gone? But that's, that's what being a fan is. It's like, I come in, I support them, but ugh, you know, when it's not convenient, when it's, when, it's, when it's again, when things aren't going well, when things are tough, I'm out of here. Hard times, I'm gone. But Jesus didn't say, I need fans. Neither did he even say this thing, come and believe me, or believe in me alone. You see, here's the difference. So often I think we've been sold the cheap gospel where it says, just believe, you don't have to follow. And here's the, the scary truth is the Bible says, even the demons believe in Jesus. So if you say, I believe, but you're not following, then welcome. You've just, you've just aligned yourself at least to the spirituality of the demons. Well done. Congrats. But here's the thing. He says, follow me. And here's the illustration that we've been told many, many different times. But if I got up here and I said, listen, today, part of family day, I want to do something really fun. I, I want to get a bow, a bow and arrow, a crossbow. And I want to pull it back here and the sharpened spear on the end. And I need a volunteer to come and stand over this side of the stage with an apple on the head. I was like, who would like me to do that? Who would be keen to see that? Let's be honest. You'll all be like, yeah, church is on fire today. Let's do it. We'll all be fans of that moment. Come on. That's so exciting. They'll say, come on, guys. You know, I've actually been training for this. Who believes I can do it? And, you know, the crowd will be a bit quieter because some will be like, oh, I don't know. I've seen those musters. Oh, no. He doesn't look like it. But you'll, but you'll still be up for it. You'll be like, yeah, I believe. Go for it. Go for it. They'll go, cool. I need a volunteer. Mm-mm. That right there is the difference between being a fan, someone who believes, someone who follows. Because that getting out of your seat and coming and standing and saying, I'm placing my life in your hands, shows that now you're following. You see, here's the incredible reality. In John chapter 6, Jesus says these words and says to his disciples and a crowd at large, says, if you want to follow me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And let me tell you, this was way before Twilight became a popular fan fiction thing. So there's no context for this. And actually, it was so counter-cultural to the day because the, 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 those, those guys who heard that, they were forbidden by Jewish law to eat things with blood in it. And now he's saying, come, this, like, this man, this teacher, is saying, come eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's like, what is going on here? 
And here's the very incredible thing, is that this is on the backdrop of Jesus feeding the 5,000. He's fed the 5,000 and said, who wants more food? Yeah! Food, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the crowd gather. Food, I want it. And in a split second, Jesus goes from feeding the 5,000 to offending the 5,000. Because the Bible says as soon as he had finished feeding them, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it says they all left. A whole bunch of fans. And the only ones left were the disciples looking around. He says, don't you too also want to go? And they fully didn't understand it either. They didn't. They didn't get it. But they said, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And here's the incredible thing I want to tell you right now. When Jesus says, come follow me, it demands individual ownership. It's a call to intimacy, to follow him with your very fiber, your being, to follow him, to walk after him, to reorientate your life around him. Not, hey, my sexuality goes this way, and I've got thoughts about my finances this way, but Jesus, I, I still love you. No, no, no. Fi if you follow Jesus, finances, follow Jesus. Sexuality follows Jesus. Emotions follow Jesus. Situations follow Jesus. Relationships follow Jesus. That must follow him, and it demands intimacy. To closeness with him. Firstly, come follow me. Secondly, he says this, the promise says, and I will make you. Oh, I love those words. Because that word make can be written, I will form you, I will fashion you, I will mold you, I will shape you. And in a sense, in that very moment, there's a transition. Jesus is saying, come as you are. The gospel is that, come as you are. Come with your faults, failures. It's not come when you've got all figured out. No, no. Come with all your, your hang-ups, your habits, your addictions, your failures, your fears, your anxieties. Come. He says, come as you are. But don't stay as you are. Because as you follow me, he says, I will make you. Not you. Not a project. You're going to work it all out and get better. No. He says, I, if you put your life in my hands, I will fashion you. I will shape you. I will mold you. I will shape you and change you. We move from I once was to I no longer am. I once was a sinner, but now I am a saint in the kingdom of God. We start changing. I once used, I used to live this way, but now I've been encountered Jesus. And this is an amazing thing. If you look at that phrase, it says, come follow me. Those words, come follow me, is written to you as an individual. Individual, you, 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 can't outsource it. You follow me. But then it says, and I will make you, and when you read in the original language, that word you is written in the plural. So what Jesus is saying is saying, you, individually, you follow me. And he says, and I will form you, I'll fashion you, I'll shape you into a people, into a community. You're going to become a community. And this is something so huge because when we talk about church, when we talk about this is him fashioning us. We often, we often think of it, we get this uh, thing, church, oh, kumbaya. It's going to be like this beautiful kumbaya. Everyone's loving each other, hugging each other. And it's so lovely to see you. And there's no fighting. It's beautiful. It's kind. And everyone, you take the parking space. No, you take the parking space. And I'll buy coffees for everyone. And, this, and everyone's amazing. But the problem is that's false when you don't under, when you've forgotten the very essence when he says, it's not kumbaya, it's construction site. He says, I will make you, I will form you, I will shape you, I will challenge you, I'll chip off the edges of a fence, I'll work you, I'll make a pot and clay, I will form you into a people. It's construction site. And this is the reality. I love the fact that in the scriptures, we could, one of the disciples who walks with Jesus, Peter, he says, when he starts describing the church, he could have used a number of metaphors to describe the church. I would have loved him says that God is, God is making you into a group of eagles. It just sounds awesome. Hey? Wouldn't that be cool? Like, yes, and you will soar, and they'll be amazing above the heights, and there'll be nothing on earth that will touch you, eagles, or, or something like cheetahs. I'm just my imagination. God is making the church like cheetahs. You'll be swift, and you'll take down the gazelles. I don't know. Just, I'm overthinking it, maybe. But 
the language he uses about the church says, I, God is making you into living stones. Oh, so undramatic. He says, yeah, he's pulling into that metaphor saying, this is construction site, one brick upon each other. I'm fashioning you into a holy temple. And on your own, you might not feel that way, but he's doing that together. But when we forget this, we lose the true power of community. When we forget that it's construction site, we get offended and we walk away. When we forget that this is for our good, he's shaping us and molding us and putting us into a people. Then we go, it's a non-essential. You know, we don't have to go every week. You know, church is not a building anyway. Yeah, it's not a physical building. It's a spiritual building. It's a temple being formed out of holy things, built together, fashioned together, black, white, rich, poor, Burundian, South African, Zimbabwean, people of arrogance, people of drug addicts, in the same water, going in the same water, saying, actually, I'm a multimillionaire, and I'm, a, I'm somebody who's stuck in drugs. Same water, same Jesus, same body built into a temple. This is the power of the gospel. And here's the thing is, Jesus is the head of this body. He, that means he determines our community, not our preferences, not our prejudices, not our personalities. Left to my own devices, I would have an all Zimbabwean church, all support Liverpool, that's it. None of you else are invited. True story. True story. I'm like, there, there, Abdul, I'm saying, well, uh, can you say something in Shona? No, out. Na- name the starting lineup of the 2005 Liverpool side that took on AC Milan and came back from 3-0 down to be 3-0 and win the trophy. Name that team. You can't? Get out. Lovely church on the road, please. Uh, thank God that I, all jokes aside, that I don't get to determine this church. He does, because he's the head. There's no green rooms in this church. There's no special parking spaces. Let me tell you, the pastors and leaders of this church, can I tell you where they park? Further away. That's what we've told the leaders of this church. You park far, so the people who come late can get the closer parking space. That's what we're trying to do. We don't always get it right, but we're trying to do that because this is what we need. We need this. We need this. I need this. There, he is the head. I'm part of the body. And as soon as we started thinking that, my, you know what, I would rather be a part of a body that's got all arms. Can I tell you, what a weird church. You know, I want, I want to be a church. I don't like that thing they do or that thing. I want to be a part of a body that's all little toes. Oh, wonderful. Go for that. But actually, a power of a body is when we're in sync together with our diversity, but we find our unity, not in the fact that this hand likes that hand, but because this hand is linked to the head. That's where we find our unity. Come follow me, individual ownership, intimacy, and I will make you, I will form you, fashion you, shape you into a community, a people, a royal priesthood. And he says, finally, I'll make you into fishers of men. You see, I want to say this, that during COVID, the greatest missing element in people's lives was not actually community. What I saw, people, because we don't need to go in the buildings, we can do it online. Wonderful, that's fine, go for it. I believe in community, I believe in gathering, but here I think the biggest missing element was the missing element of mission, that we were made for something further than us, greater than us. Why? Because the whole world for three years, we had preached at us from every pulpit around the world and social media, from the CDC, from all YouTube things, we had preached this message, safety, safety, safety. Stay away from those people because you'll get infected. Hide away in your holes. Don't touch that thing. Don't go there. Wash yourself at the shops. I remember uh, coming back from the shops the first time after this thing, COVID. We're like, what is it? And we came back from the shops and we washed all our groceries down and walked around like, like, don't touch me, don't touch me. And we showered and 
And all, you know, we look back and go, oh, how a bit silly and over the top. But, and I'm not making statements about COVID. I'm making statements about the fact that we start to live in self-preservation mode. And our greatest fear was dying. Let me tell you, we're all going to die anyway. The greatest thing we should fear is sin and people going to hell. And the very antithesis of safety, safety, safety is a gospel where Jesus goes and touches the lepers. And the kingdom of God goes to the dark places. And this is the reality for us, is Jesus comforts the disturbed. If you're disturbed today and your world is shaking, let me tell you, Jesus comes as the God of all comfort. And he'll sit alongside you and he'll weep with you in your loss. He'll walk you through your, your valley. He'll hold your hand through your trial. He'll walk and comfort you. But he also, Jesus, comforts the disturbed. But let me tell you, Jesus also disturbs the comfortable. If you're sitting here and you're passive, your greatest enemy is not just trying to find a little bit more comfort in your life. He always comes to bring comfort to you so that you can go and bring comfort to others. And he'll disturb and rattle that cage. He did that with the disciples. Matt, after this moment, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Road trip. Matthew chapter 16. He takes these young boys, good Jewish boys, and he takes them to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he takes them to this place where he has this conversation with them. And I can imagine as they were going there with every step, they're going, where is Jesus taking us? Jesus, I, I didn't get a permission slip from mom. He's like, no, come, come, it's okay, it's okay. And they go to a place, Caesarea Philippi, which was this incredible, for lack of a better word, but an incredible massive crack. In the, in, and there was this, this hole in the ground. And it was a place that they would literally call, that there was a demonic reality. They worshipped the, the goat god Pan there. This was a place where good Jewish boys would not go to. These are the, the pluralistic societies. They'll go and worship there, do child sacrifice there. And there's this hole there. And people had, like, had such a demonic element to it that people labeled that place in Caesarea Philippi the very literal gates of hell. That's the place where de- the evil was. And Jesus leads these good Jewish boys nervously up to the very gates of hell. And at that place, he says to Peter, who do you say I am? At that moment, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, Peter, you're right. And on this rock, on that revelation, the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church. And it's so huge in that moment. He's not just saying some esoteric thing. He's taking them to the very edge of the gates of hell in the day. He says, I'll build my church in these places. In the places where darkness feels it's raining, I'll build my church. I'll establish my church in that place. And this is the reality. We are building a church, a community, a people who have intimacy following Jesus in a world that is saying, no, follow your heart, follow your desires, follow the trends. We say, no, we follow Jesus. It's not convenient. We might not always like it. We might not always agree with it, but I'm following him and it's intimate. We are people who say he's going to make us into a people. He's going to form us and fashion us to a people. Where he's going to say, no, but I've got prejudices. I've got preferences. I've got, no, no, no. Actually, all of us are going to die because he's going to make me into a people. With other people, living stones. He says, and I'll do that by making you fishes of men. And this is the reality. He does this on the edge in a world called Cape Town, South Africa. 2023, the world of pornography addiction, of uh, this theology, that thought processes, transgenderism, abortion, this, you can name it. And we say, what are we going to do? And I say, actually, on this revelation of Jesus Christ, he's going to build this church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And this is my promise to you. And my prayer for us is as the Titanic goes down, metaphorically, as the Titanic of the world goes lower and lower into the icy depths, we will not play the fiddle. We will not play the band and just watch them silently go by. We won't rearrange the chairs on the deck going, oh, get the chairs all smart as the ship goes down. No, we won't play church. We'll be a people who plunge headlong into the overwhelming waves of mission, throwing everything into this, rescuing people from the dominion of darkness to bring them to the dominion of light. 
Let me tell you, if you throw everything into this thing of mission, of building the church with Jesus Christ, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you feel that you've just lost your job, whether you are the, the lowest job of all, a pastor, whether you are uh, somebody who's a student, a scholar, whether you've, whatever your profession is, tell me, undercover, you say, no, but that's not my calling. My calling is the mission of God. Let me tell you, if you plunge yourself into that, you will not be bored one day of your life. Challenged, yes. Stretched, yes. Inconvenienced, yes. Uncomfortable, yes. Bored, hell no. Let me tell you, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus in community together. I'll come up on the screen behind me. Intimacy, community, mission. Jesus says, come, follow me. Intimacy. And I will make you, shape you, form you, fashion you to a people, community. And I'll take your little, your natural, that you think you've got, that little gifting you've got that thinks is there just to get you your retirement, your safety, your pay off the bond, get the education. Yeah, that's all good things. But he says, I'll take that stuff and I'll make it supernatural. You'll become fishers of men. You'll be an accountant for men. You'll be a stay-at-home for men and women, for people who need Jesus Christ. He says, and this is the problem, reality. When we buy into that, that's when we start to grow. That's when we start to move as a people. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want to pray for us as we land this time. Jesus says that, come, follow me. Intimacy. And I will make you community. Fish of men. Mission. Let me just say, I don't know when the last time I said this, and I want to do it publicly. I love you, Life Changes Central City. I love you. I really love you. And I could not wish for a better church to pastor. There is no other church in the world that I want to pastor. This is the church that God has called me to pastor. And I'm thrilled and privileged to do it with people like Ori, like Judith and Elizabeth who pray, like Fiona, my wife. You had no other choice. Like Shay and his mum who drive through from distance with expenses twice on a Sunday often, paying their petrol, not knowing if it's, I love building church with you. I love building church with Stephen family. I love building church with Nick and Athena who, who will serve and pour out. I love doing church with us as a people. I love doing church with us. Not because it's my preference, but because it's his. And I really want to tell you right now, maybe you are feeling hard pressed on every side. The gospel tells us we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. Apostle Paul says, we may be perplexed, but he says we're not in despair. This means we may be persecuted, but we're not abandoned. He says we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because Jesus is still calling sons and daughters, come, follow me. And I will make you fishes of men, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this. So can we lift our hands right now? As you lift your hands, I'm asking you to do this not as some church response, but as a signifier to say, Jesus, I'm following you afresh. Maybe right now you need to bring order in your life and your sexuality, your, your habits, your, your addictions have kicked in and you've gone, your secrets, and you've, you say, I follow Jesus, but actually I'm not really following him. Bring that into order right now. It's not about your promises, your pledges. It's understanding that he has called you and he will provide and sustain if you obey. Right now, maybe you've been walking around as a lone ranger and you say, uh, I've been living on my own and maybe you've been in church, but you're not walking in community, connected to people around you, allowing them to challenge you, speak into your marriage. I asked, when was the last time somebody challenged you about your marriage? When was the last time someone challenged you about your finances? When was the last time you challenged somebody about their relationship with God? That's called community. That's called being formed together. Surrender. And right now, maybe you've sat back and you've been playing the fiddle. You've been rearranging the chairs. And we're all guilty of this at different times. Stressing about our own small life and safety, safety, safety. When the gospel comes and says, I want to take you to the very edge of the gates of hell. So you can see my kingdom 
invade the darkness. If that's you right now, as our hands are lifted around, just surrender afresh. And Father, right now, I thank you that we are people who say we follow you, Jesus. We follow you, Jesus. And you, you, Jesus, are making us, despite being persecuted, despite being hard-pressed, despite being perplexed, despite being struck down, you are making us, forming us, fashioning us into fishers of men, a supernatural community, not based on our preference and prejudice and ideas and personalities, but based on God is doing something here miraculous. I thank you, Jesus. Right now, life changes Century City, reminds themselves that we are a living, breathing miracle, a people called to change the world. Jesus says it once more, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.